0: Sometimes we build resentment against others. We hold it not just against others, but even against God. Today, in our series, The Grudge, we're going to learn how to release the past and step into the freedom of forgiveness. I hope you're ready. Let's start now. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic, and life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. As always, uh, so thankful that I get to talk to you guys all today. Uh, I'm so glad you joined us. Uh, you are where you need to be today, and my prayer is that God will show you uh, why you are where you're at. Um, for, there's a reason and purpose behind everything that God does, and and uh, I'm praying for that always for everybody, that uh, he will uh, show that to you. Uh, we are in the middle of a series called The Grudge. Uh, So I hope you guys are all in the mood to hear uh, from God's word today. Uh, And like I said, it's an honor to have all of you uh, with us. Um, Today we're going to be in 1 Samuel uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, So if you have a Bible today, if you want to get there, that would be great. Uh, And I believe that we're going to experience significant healing today. To kind of start us off, I've got a question for you. Uh, How many of you enjoy a good miracle story? You know, a good miracle story. Maybe you know somebody that has this great uh, testimony. They tithe for the very first time on a Sunday, and on Monday they walked into their job and they got a raise, and you celebrate with them, right? Uh, Those types of stories. Well, the problem is sometimes you've maybe been tithing for years and, and you're barely paying the bills, and you wonder hey, where's my miracle? You know, where's my miracle? Maybe, maybe you got a friend that you've been praying for for miraculous healing and, and God shows up, right? Uh, and, and all of a sudden, uh, that, that parakeet is saved from imminent death, right? Uh, uh, they, that person's got their miracle. And, and you were praying for healing for someone that you loved and, and they weren't healed, uh, but instead they, they passed away. And you're wondering, God, where are you in, in my life? You know, where's my miracle? Uh, so what do you do when you find yourself disappointed in God? What do you do when you feel like maybe God let you down? And I don't know what it would be, but but maybe it's the baby that you have always dreamed of having, but the baby never, ever came. It might have been the engagement that you believed would be coming, and that engagement is still not here to this day. Uh, It could have been the miracle that you believed with faith that God would would do for you, whatever it it might be, and yet God still hasn't done what you know he has the power to do. So what do you do when you don't even want to say it out loud because you have reverence for God, but you're wondering, God, where are you? Why aren't you showing up for me? Where's the miracle I've been waiting for and believing for? And then you might find yourself slightly or even more than slightly disappointed with God, maybe angry at God. Or holding a grudge against God, it's not that you don't want to trust Him, uh, you you really really do, but but you might be finding it difficult to trust Him right now, because God could do something and yet He's not doing that something. And for some of you, if you were really honest, and you may not even want to say this out loud as well, but there may be a kind of a low grade anger with God. So what do you do when you realize you're holding a grudge against God? And that's what we're going to be talking about today uh, just kind of recap in the in the first week of our of our series we talked about forgiving the smaller offenses in life the things that weigh us down and hold us back. Uh, last week we talked about forgiving the bigger betrayals when when someone has significantly wounded us or or wronged us. Uh, so um, if you would like to catch up on our series, uh, jump back a couple episodes. I encourage you to do that. Um, you can listen today as we always do. Uh, you will not have a problem and not understand what's going on today. Uh, but it kind of helps you go in that that order if you, if you jump into those. So uh, I, I'm excited about next week as well because we're going to be talking about forgiving ourselves. Uh, You may recognize God has forgave you, but you're carrying the weight, the guilt, the shame from something that you did in the past, and you just can't seem to let it go. All right. Well, today we're going to be talking about forgiving God. And so what do you do when you realize you're holding a grudge against God? Now, to be really technical, and I want to say this because it's important to say, okay, you need to understand this. We don't We don't technically ever forgive God because God never sins. God doesn't do any wrong. And so to say we forgive God would basically be unfair. It doesn't exist, okay? But there are those of you, perhaps, that you really do need to reconcile with God because you're holding a grudge. You feel like you've been wronged. You feel like God didn't do what he could have done. And and you may need to let something go. Or by faith, you may need to learn to trust again. So what do you do when you feel like you've been wronged by God? And so I want to look at a really, really powerful story in the Old Testament. Uh, obviously, I, I shared that with you in the in the book of Samuel. It's about a woman that had to perhaps reconcile with some disappointments she had in God. And first, I'm going to tell you about her husband, and then I'll tell you uh, the story. Her, her husband's name was Elkanah, is how you pronounce it. And, and Elkanah actually had two wives. Uh, one wife is the one we're going to talk about today. Her name was Hannah, and the other's wife was named uh, Punena. Okay? Now, uh, it took me forever to, uh, to really pronounce that word, so if I mess that up a couple times a day, I- I'm sorry. So, <laughs> Now, for those of you guys that are sitting there or thinking or listening to this going, oh, man, wouldn't it be cool, wouldn't it be awesome to have two wives? I'm just going to share. Chances are very good you're not married. Okay, I just want to. I just want to say that because if you are married, you're going to recognize that one spouse is probably enough to deal with, right? And uh, man, I'm going to get in trouble again for saying that, but it's truth, right? Because this is not the Bachelor. Okay, where, where you can go and make out with two different chicks on one night, come home with everything being okay. Okay, church is not the Bachelor. All right, this is real life. This this guy had two wives, and you also need to understand that. He had two wives, and they were sisters. They were sister wives. okay? They had a serious rivalry going on as well, and I'll show you why. First, let's let's talk about the husband, Elkanah. Whenever people would, would name a son or a daughter, they would often give them a name that had a meaning. Like, my name is Daniel, which means God is my judge. And so in Elkanah, in Hebrew, it means that God has created a son. Or God will give you a son. And so for this guy's whole life, whenever someone would say, hey, Elkanah, uh, what they were saying is, hey, you're going to have a son. Hey, God's going to give you a son. For his whole life, that's what people would, would say to him. And so when he married Hannah, he just assumed God would give them a son. But unfortunately, Hannah couldn't bear children. And that's why most scholars believe that he probably took on a second wife, Penina. Okay. And and you can only imagine Hannah's internal dialogue. She, she couldn't have a child. And so especially in this culture, she would have felt like this tremendous failure. You know, perhaps she would have experienced some shame. Uh, she might've felt useless and it would have been real easy for her to say, God, where are you? You're you're the author of my life. Why won't you let me bear a child? So each year, this family, Elkan and his two wives would would travel on kind of uh, an adventure. Uh, Or a vacation. They would go to this place called Shiloh to offer worship and and sacrifices uh, to God. The problem is Penenna, uh, the wife, w- the wife who could have children. She would take every opportunity, and especially on this trip, to throw some serious shade on her rivalry. Okay, uh, the other wife, Hannah. Uh, here's here's what she she said uh, in scripture. Here's what it's talked about in scripture. It's First Samuel chapter one, like I said, verses uh, six and seven. Okay, her rival would taunt her severely just to provoke her. Because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. Year after year, when she went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way. Hannah would weep and would not eat. Okay? Now, some of you had a a Thanksgiving or a Christmas like that, right? Especially with them coming up, you you might have one that's gonna come up like this. Uh, Maybe somebody has, has a breakdown. You know, someone runs off, you know, falls apart, doesn't eat, and it's completely moved to tears. You know, something in that scenario. And And I'm asking this because I want you to try and get into the story and experience what's going on here, okay? Here we've got Hannah, this very, very sweet, very godly girl. And then we got the other one, Panena, okay? This is the girl your mama warned you about, okay? Stay away from girls like this. you know, she's cruel, she's vicious, she's mean as a cat in the shower, if you know what I mean, okay? And some of you could even say, you know what, I've dated her, right? Uh, yes, yeah, so I know what she's like, so I'll be praying for girls like that, okay? And so you can only imagine Hannah's mindset, okay? She had to be asking, why in the world would God bless Penina with kids and not bless me? God could have given me a child, Okay. So just picture her dialogue. Maybe it's it sounds something similar to this. Maybe she says, "You know, I've been faithful. I've saved myself from marriage. I read my Bible every single day. I come to every church service. I serve in the nursery room. I'm faithful. I'm a giver. I love God and I haven't done anything wrong. And there's all these people. They do things wrong and yet they have children. God, where are you in my life? You know, I don't understand." And so she did perhaps the very same thing that that some of you do. She prayed and she believed and she waited. And then there was nothing. And year after heart-wrenching year, she prayed, believed, and waited. There might be someone here uh, listening today that, that can relate. You, you prayed and prayed and, and believed for the salvation of someone that you love. But year after year goes by and, and nothing seems to change. You know, you prayed and prepared and, and believed for a, for a job with, with benefits. And yet the job continues to seem to be out of reach. You know, you ask God for healing for someone that you love and you know he he could and you know you believe that he would but yet he didn't. And you wonder why why does why does he do it for others but he didn't do it in this case. Maybe you prayed and asked God, "Please make my depression go away. You know, I beg you. I know I know you can and year after year you still fight to get through the day." And I don't know what it might be for you. It could be the trial that never seems to go away. It could be the marriage that never seems to get any better. It could be financial hardship. You know, month after month, year after year, we believe we're getting, gonna get ahead and you always feel like you're behind. It, it could be dreaming of and hoping for someone to, to do life with. And, and year after year, you're still are feeling all alone. And then one day you wake up and you're wondering, where are you, God? I've trusted you. I, I'm trying to believe in you. Why haven't you done what I know you can do? Do you hear my prayers? Do you even care? God, where are you? And so you pray, you believe, and you wait, and another year goes by. If you've ever felt like that, that's exactly what Hannah felt like. She was married to Elkanah, who, as best we could tell, was probably a pretty good man. The problem is he was still a dude, okay? Ladies, you need to understand something. You, you can't cast a dude out of a man, okay? It's just part of life. The problem with dude is is we just say dude things, I don't even know if that's a real word, but I'm going to say it that way, okay? We just do. It's just hardwired in us. We're we're all bent towards sin, and our sin nature sometimes takes over. And we just ask really stupid questions. If I could go off topic for just a moment, I need to protect some of my brothers from imminent danger in your life, okay? There are are landmines in every marriage, okay? There are certain questions that you are forbidden to ask. They seem natural to you, I know, and they seem right, I, I get it. But my God has sent me today to deliver some of you from trouble and temptation that is to come. All right. So gentlemen, if I could just give you a little bit of advice, those that are listening, whatever you ever never ever do is you never walk in at the end of a day and ever under any or any circumstance ever, ever ask your wife, so what did you do all day today? You know, just it doesn't work that way. Don't do that. And don't ever walk up to, to your woman and say, Did you mean to do that to your hair? <laughs> okay. Don't ever say that. And, and whatever you do, don't ever ask this question. Okay. It'll save you uh, a lifetime uh, of hurt. Okay. You never ask the question, are you gaining weight? Okay. You, you know, I can just, I can hear the tone changes over the podcast without even being there. Okay. You know, even me bringing these questions up puts me in incredibly thin ice, you know. Uh, and so that's how much I love you guys, okay? I'm in your corner. I'm willing to risk it all for you. But just be careful, okay? You need to ask questions like, hey, why are you so wonderful? And, and how did I get you? You know, questions like that, right? So anyway, Elcano was a dude, and he asked an incredibly dudish question. And I want to show you one of the most dudish Question: I don't know if that's a proper word, but anyway, we're going to use it. Do this questions you could read anywhere in all the Bible. Okay. Poor Hannah wants to have a child, and Elkanah wonders why she's so upset, and he asks this question. Look at verse eight. Hannah, why are you crying? Her her husband Elkanah would ask. Why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? Am I not better to you than than ten sons? Now I know, ladies. That that actually I know I don't I don't get it, but to a guy that makes sense to him. Okay, I I can't explain why. Uh, In fact, you know, as I read that, there's probably guys looking at it going, "What's the problem with that question?" I don't get it. You know, because it makes sense to them. But Hannah's response is not recorded in scripture. But God revealed to me what she said, and and what she said was. Do you want to rephrase that question? <laughs> Let me ask you, again. do you want to rephrase that question? Because you don't want to hear the answer. I'm just going to share that with you, okay? Now, that's at least what my wife would say whenever I would ask her a dude's question like that, okay? I, I can guarantee you that. And so I want you to feel her pain, okay? She's doing everything she possibly can to trust in God. And yet the whole only thing that she wants, that, that God has the power to give, God seems to withhold from her. And she's got Penina running around with her little rugrats, her little drunk squirrels, always criticizing her, belittling her and her husband, who's this good man, right? We pretty much assume he's a good man, but continues to put his foot in his mouth, okay? So what do you do when you wake up and you find yourself disappointed? Because God didn't do what you know he could have done. What I want to show you is exactly what Hannah did. And this is something that on occasion you might even find helpful. And chances are pretty good you won't hear about this often when you walk into a church, okay? And you won't hear a lot of pastors tell you to do this. I'm not going to tell you anything that's wrong, uh, but I just know they wouldn't tell you to do this because I definitely wouldn't recommend this daily for like the next 20 years, okay? But every now and then, you may do what she did. She just unloaded on God. She just let it rip. She didn't hold anything back, told God exactly what she felt. She took all the pain, all this hurt, all this disappointment, all the anguish, all the agony, and she just hurled it recklessly towards God. And this is what Scripture says, okay? Uh, verses 9 and 10. On one occasion, Hannah got up a- after they ate and drank at Shiloh. The priest Eli was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. Deeply hurt. Now pause there just for a second. Deeply hurt. And in my, my, my translation says hurt. Hurt. Uh, In other translations, it says with anger, deeply anguished. It changes all those verbiages to all kinds of different things. Deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. So in other words, from the depths of her heart, she cries out. And I don't know what she said. Maybe she said, God, this isn't fair. God, why didn't you? Why aren't you? Why did you give a baby to her? Why didn't you give it to me? God, I've done everything I could for you. God, I believed in you. I've been faithful. God, I've loved you. I've trusted you. God, I've always been here for you. I've always declared your faithfulness, your goodness. Why haven't you done this for me, God? And she pours her heart out to God. If you ever find yourself hurting or feeling disappointed in God, just let God know, okay? Pour your heart out to him. He's big enough to handle your hurt. David did it in the Old Testament. God, why aren't you stopping my enemies? Why why did you let them taunt me? Jeremiah cried out to God. Jesus on the cross cried out to God. My God, my God, why you turn your back on me? You know Why have you forsaken me? I've been faithful in every moment of my life, and when I need you most, you pull back. God, why have you done this? God loves you, and he understands your pain. And I believe with all my heart, He welcomes your questions. He's big enough to handle your doubts. In fact, with everything in me, I believe that our God would rather have you yell at him in disappointment and pain than to walk away in hurt and defeat. Take your pain to God. If you ever find yourself disappointed, hurt, disillusioned, God is big enough to understand your pain. Take it to him. You see, Hannah unloaded on God and and said, "I I don't understand. Then in her prayer, she cries out to God, if you just give me a son, I'll give him back to you. Uh, he will not be mine. I will dedicate every ounce of his life completely to you. I will give him to you. And there's a, then there's an interesting dialogue between her and the priest. And now I'm not going to read all these, these details. I, I hope you'll read it on your own as you continue in that in those verses on your own time. But at the end of the conversation, the priest essentially says to her, may God grant your request. That's all he says. There's no immediate change. Heaven doesn't open up and God doesn't shine a light down on her. She walks away still with nothing tangible. She still has to deal with Penina. Her husband's still gonna say stupid things. She's still got no baby. She's got no real sign. And then what does she do? She does the very same thing that you might do when you find yourself disappointed in God. She continues by faith. Even though she may not feel like it, she continues to try her best to hold on to God and to believe that He is still good. And she hangs on. She she still tries to trust. She sees nothing. But even though she doesn't see anything, she knows that it doesn't mean that God is not actually doing something. And with whatever little bit of faith she has, she continues to hold on, believing that God is still good. She holds on and doesn't let go. And then look what happens in, in verse 19. Okay, Verse 19, the next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to worship before the Lord. Let's pause there for a second. You see, they got up the next morning, still seeing nothing. And what does she do? She went to worship the Lord. I believe with all my heart, Hannah did this because Hannah knew this, that a waiting season is never a wasted season. A waiting season isn't a wasted season, folks. That just, that just because you don't see something doesn't mean that God's not doing something. That his spirit is still working, that he is still good, that he, he hears the cries of your heart. A waiting season. For those of you who are waiting right now, it's not a wasted season. In Hannah's case, God hears the cries of her heart and God gives her the desires of her heart. And that may happen in your life and it may not. No matter what the outcome is, the goodness of God is not based on what we see or don't see. The goodness of God is simply based on who he is. In Hannah's case, this is what happened. Let's let's just start back at the verse 19 again and, and read the rest of it. The next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to worship before the Lord. Afterward, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. Let's read on in verse 20. After some time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, because she said, I requested him. From the Lord, she l- learned very clearly that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials just because you don't see it in a moment doesn't mean that you're not going to see it in your lifetime and I don't know who it is today but but you might find yourself disappointed by God, maybe even a, a little mad at him. you feel like you've been hurt by God or disappointed you're holding a grudge. I would invite you just to unload on him, tell him from the depths of your heart cry out in anguish and pain and tell him how you feel but then choose to continue to trust in him you might just tell him I'm not going to hold a grudge against you what I want, what I wanted you to do and you didn't do I choose to let that go though you didn't answer my prayer the way I wanted you to God I still choose to trust in you not because of what I see God but because of who you are I hope you understand this that our God says he will never leave you he will never forsake you. Our God is still here. Choose by faith to let him let him back in. Let go of the hurt. Choose to trust God and tell him, I'm not holding on to this grudge. Amen. That concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, next week, we'll be wrapping up uh, the grudge. Uh, we'll be talking about forgiving ourselves. So I hope you'll join us. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at ChandlerAcresChurch.com.